0: Welcome to Capital Ideas, featuring guests from organizations in Raleigh and the surrounding area that are doing great things to uplift residents, support businesses, and impact the local economy. Hello, I am Brenda Wilkerson, Communications Manager at Capital Area Workforce Development, where our mission is to help people get jobs and build careers that will help them sustain a household Um, Each year, we reach about 30,000 people in our area through our NC Works Career Centers. And one thing that we know is that their needs vary greatly. So we have some people who come to us career ready. They might just need to brush up on a resume. We have others that need to get new skills in order to compete for the current jobs in our labor market but one population we're really focused on now is men and women who are leaving incarceration and returning to the workplace and into their communities. And this is a process known as reentry, And it can be a difficult thing for them to do because they have to combat a lot of the social stigmas that have kept them out of education and jobs and limited access to things that we all need to reach our full potential. So, in fact, I want you all to meet a few of our participants and take a look at this clip.
1: You know, people will look at me and say, gosh, you don't look like you you are a criminal or you've ever been to prison. But we all make mistakes and we all fall short. No, bad background. I've been
0: getting in trouble since I was 16. I'm now 49.
1: These clothes, when I got out, I had nothing.
2: Absolutely nothing except for what I wore home. My resident was my mom's house. I had, a, I had a family member who was living there, but she was on drugs, so
0: everything that I ever owned was gone.
1: I just got out of prison after doing eight years, and I uh, wanted to change my life. wanted to
0: change everything about everything. She wants to change everything about everything. So that being said, today on Capital Ideas, we are talking to Capital Area's very own reentry team. So with me today are Melinda Todd, Natalie Maben, and Lenarda Williamson. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Thank you. Um, so, Melinda, you are our strategic initiatives director um, and leader of the reentry team. Um, some of the work and the improvements that's been done to help us deliver services um, through the career centers to this population, um, the improvements have been amazing. So can you talk a little bit about the ideas that kind of drove or are driving that work and that strategy? How are we able to accomplish um, what you've accomplished?
3: Sure, I'd be happy to address that. Um, I mean, NC Works career centers have always served returning citizens. But one thing that we saw, we looked in around 2019, we looked and saw that some of our returning citizens weren't getting as many jobs and weren't holding the jobs and weren't as well paid as as our regular clients and so what we wanted to do is, uh, is look for some resources to help that provide some of those services because we, we we have a good idea about why people are having trouble finding jobs it is that stigma that you talked about it's lack of job readiness lack of maybe some of the technical skills and sometimes just those tech those issues of like Get transportation, housing, and so there's a lot of issues there around getting a job and keeping a job. And mm-hmm. so we we sought out community organizations, see what they were doing, and then we sought some funding that was all around employment uh, from Department of Labor. Started that project, roads to reentry, very successful, but really looking for other opportunities to do some more of those support services. So luckily, we were also able to to become the intermediary agency for the local reentry council for Wake County, and that opened the door to to some more of those services, housing. Um, uh, support services, food, um, really? uh, those kind of things. And so able, really able to meet some of those other needs and put, put another piece to that puzzle. We we're very excited to be able to offer that. It started in February, 2020. Um, and then we, we realized it still wasn't enough. We we're getting a ton of people coming in our door and we only had two wonderful staff people to support them. And so again, out, how else can we do this? How can we provide more services? So we uh, reached out actually to a few funding sources, but Wake County uh, Board of Commissioners actually asked us to present a strategy that we did, and they funded it last fall through ARPA funding. So now we're really able to expand. And ARPA
0: is the um, American Rescue Plan Funds that, uh, yeah, that the feds like throughout to all of the local areas and government. So that's really good. Natalie, did you want to add anything there?
1: No, I, I, I think that is um, pretty much. I mean, we have really looked at the services that were being provided and considered how best to meet uh, this population, even from a broader pro- uh, perspective. And that's the plan that was presented to the county commissioners.
0: Yeah. So as we've, we've been working on this expansion, um, and we've done a lot of workforce initiatives over the years, Capital Area has, but can you share maybe some of what's been learned along the way um, to make the current strategy the best that it can be? Like, what are the lessons learned to really make this work?
3: There's two things that that always come to mind for me that we've done these for a few years, and one is to make sure that the commitment to the program is clear to the clients you know if you're if you don't have a job you might just say oh my gosh this looks great i want to do it And then you get into it and then you're like, wow, this is not a good fit for me. I'm not interested in this career option. So really making those expectations clear. You know, with roads to reentry, they have to do a whole training for an occupation. They have to do a certification. So it's a big commitment. So making sure that that's clear so you don't get into that and realize, wow, this is so much more than I thought and drop out. So we want to have that match of a good program and then individuals who are committed and want to do it. I would say that, and then the other piece to me is getting employers, act involved on day one, having mm-hmm. them help you think through the program, having them committed to it, having them give input on how it's working, um, because not only, I mean, we know that the employers want talent, but you have a lot of employers that are really invested in, you know, maybe some of the com- communities that we're working with, like reentry, like. Um, opportunity youth and so really engaging them and involving them from day one
0: and 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 I would think that given today's labor market challenges with employers constantly saying help me find people I can't find people I can't find workers I can't find workers that this is an untapped population for them I think these people have um, a lot of transferable skills I mean I see, I see them, the referrals come up over the website and I've seen master's degrees. We got a email from a young man who finished his time. He has a PhD now and he wants to help people. So these are not, um, not just quote unquote
1: criminals, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think there, there's so many stereotypes about this population we could get into and we couldn't cover all the stereotypes but you hit on a, a, a one of the number one and that is that people kind of believe that these are criminals they've always been criminals and they're only going to be criminals so
0: thank you Natalie and Natalie is our program manager for reentry and she's been in this game for a very long time so she knows a lot so nat also tell us like what's what's the ideal timeline for serving um, these customers, like how soon before or after release um, is it is it best to you know connect with them? What's the ideal timeline to really be of service?
1: Thanks, Brenda. I am the reentry program manager for Capital Area, and in my role, I work closely with Melinda to look at. Those workforce initiatives and to figure out how they serve the reentry community and work closely to frame that out across Wake County. Um, I I would say that you hit on something earlier. We have employers who are hungry for mm-hmm. our participants and educating them as well as our participants so that it is an equal match for both is really critical. When we talk about um, what the timeline is? I want to answer that in two part. Okay. So I would say that systemically, we've got to start thinking about reentry on day one when a person mm. is enters incarceration, whether it's the prison system, state, federal, or it's a detention center. We have to start planning for their release on day one to do assessments to determine what their risk factors are, what their strengths are, what they're breathing hope into individuals on day one. Mm -hmm. Most people who enter prison are not going to be there for life. And so if we give them hope from day one and we build them up and train them throughout their time of incarceration, they're ready to hit the ground running many, uh, we do have some state facilities that allow workforce while they're still incarcerated those work release programs. Mm -hmm. And so we've got many men and women who are gaining valuable experience to apply after release. So if I think about when is it best for us to start serving this population, Mm -hmm. I want to say that, From a society standpoint, we really should embrace starting to work on reentry day one of the, the term of incarceration. In terms of when we should start working with individuals who are incarcerated prior to transition planning, But because we have such a small staff, realistically, if we could work with the transition teams within facilities as they are approaching the final three months of incarceration, that gives us ample time to really assess what things they've been working on, address those transferable skills that you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, so -hmm. that we can start developing a resume with those transferable skills and then line up the training that Melinda mentioned that the Mm -hmm. career center already offers.
0: Excellent. Um, I'm gonna move to Lenarda. Lenarda Williamson is the coordinator for the Wake Local Reentry Council, which Melinda um, mentioned, Capital Area's the intermediary agency um, for that council um, here in Wake. So Lenarda, tell us a little bit about the LRC, um, what its purpose is and what you all do.
2: Great. Thanks, uh, Brenda. So the idea of providing support services to individuals returning home from incarceration is not new, thankfully. And so the local reentry council has been around for some time. However, as Melinda shared, Capital Area Workforce Development Board became the IA or the managing body for this work in February of 2020. So this team leading this work here now is fairly new. Wake LRC is a network of service providers and faith-based organizations, community leaders, uh, government um, officials, um, advocates, grassroots organizations, and those that are directly impacted, the beneficiaries. Uh, We are like-minded individuals that come together to provide support services to those individuals returning home from incarceration. As I stated earlier, we're a small team and we serve one of the largest counties in the state, the number one or number two, uh, depending if you're where Mecklenburg you is. Are. On, on <laughs> <I> know, <right. laughs> so, our network of partners is essential to this agency success. Um, our services include providing uh, support with employment, transportation housing, um, helping folks to get food and clothing, referrals for health and wellness services, legal services, and so many more. Um, uh, There are many support services that we provide directly and some indirectly through the trusted support of the network. Mm -hmm. Um, These services are offered to individuals that are 18 years or older that are within one year of release from jail or prison, and to those that call Wake County home. You also ask about our purpose. So obviously our purpose is to reduce recidivism and make Wake County a safer place to live, um, work and play. Uh, We also want to expand our employers' access to um, a wider pool of talent. Um, to make Wake County more attractive to to new employers, and most importantly, to create uh,
0: opportunities
2: where all people can thrive in Wake County.
0: Mm. Awesome. And I remember, Lenarda, early on um, when, you know, CAWD first took over the LRC, there was a lot of discussion about how to make it better. Like some things were kind of maybe disjointed, maybe communication wasn't all it could be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what changes did you all incorporate in order to make the LRC um, what it is today? Like what were some of the shortcomings and then, you know, what improvements you made? So, yes, yeah, speaking again as a
2: newbie to this body of work, <laughs> we very quickly learned some valuable lessons, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's important to find strategies to improve your communication and to reach your audience. Make mm-hmm. sure you keep your partners engaged and um, keep the community update, updated on your undertakings. One of the things that we found most successful through several iterations was that um, using uh, a website, wakelrc.org, that's our website, um, mm-hmm. as the tool to keep our community engaged, to um, ensure that uh, we can get the referrals and to, to share it, to exchange information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, There at Wake LRC. Individuals seeking services can submit the referral or partners can submit a referral and individuals looking to join this work and get connected to us can also um, uh, select an
0: an option to join the join the network. Awesome. And um, I know, too, that well, at least it used to be that um, the Wake LRC was the only reentry council that was housed in an NC Works Career Center. Um, Is that still the case? And can y'all talk about why that maybe is a game changer for you? to my
2: knowledge uh brenda i believe that we are the only lrc located inside of the nc works career center i think that was an intentional decision made at the leadership level to ensure that we're accessible to those um that need our services and that we are um we have the network it's a part of that integrated service model uh, of partners like um like nc works and veteran services and community success initiatives that we're right there um um, in the same facility as they are um, so that we can seamlessly work together to meet um, our, our, um, our target audience's needs, the community's needs.
0: Okay. And speaking of needs, and this is maybe for all of you, um, and we, I think we touched on some, but for people who are transitioning, what do you think are the greatest, your, your top three to five needs needs? In general, men and women might need, or do the needs vary for men versus women? What are
1: the top needs that you see? Anybody, I'll I'll certainly (laughs) jump in. I I, and and before I jump in, I do want to add that you know, I think. One of the other benefits of us being in the um, NC Works Career Center is that there is a very intentional model in place so that individuals who come in don't have to figure out which door is the right door. Mm -hmm. We're doing that work in the background. Mm -hmm. We want them to just come through the doors at NC Works and that entry point will do the assessment in the background once they've identified as someone who has um, involvement with the criminal justice system. Our intake people will do a great job to figure out which door is the first door they need to enter. And then all of the co-located resources communicate on a regular basis so that we can seamlessly, as Lenarda said, help people. There's a lot of weight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One stop shop. That's so Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. I want to add, can I add one little thing
2: to that point, uh, Natalie, because you just jogged my memory, that we often say we have that no wrong door approach, which is really important. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier, and I didn't say that, but um, I shared our three eligibility criteria, being over 18 uh, within one year of release and a Wake County um, resident. So of course, some of the folk that come here don't meet those eligibility criteria, but we don't turn them away. We are always looking for a solution, a resource, and that pushes Mm -hmm. us very small team to um, build our network,
1: even beyond Wake County. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So you think and, about needs though, Brenda, I think that's mm-hmm. what you were asking us to. I'm sorry to get us off track, but I right. had to mention that. But when you think about needs, I, I think it's a little of both. Um, it is based on the individual, but I would say that at least 90% of the people who come to us, are looking for some level of support around housing. Mm, Wow. It's the number one ask. It is. There's such a direct connect to this population and homelessness. Uh, There's so many barriers to them finding homes just as much as it is for them finding jobs. Mm. It goes back to stigma and um, the criminal record, how much that impacts their day to day lives, things we take for granted, but being able to find an apartment, to rent an apartment, even that you can afford. afford <laughs> that you can afford. You know, we've worked with people who make more money than we, but because they have a criminal background, mm-hmm. landlords don't want to take the chance. They don't want to wow. rent to them. Wow. You know, so with our rose to Reentry program, we've had a couple of those participants really ex- to um, purchase their own homes. So they were forced into home ownership. What a lovely, you know, force, but, you know, they went on the end. But it's unfortunate that our systems across the broad spectrum, not just employment, but in housing and in education, all of those systems that exist that bring this world into one unit mm-hmm. that equals success and self-sufficiency have to begin to look at this issue of need and Mm. seeing returning citizens as regular people, as people like you and I, as grandparents and mothers and fathers.
0: I really like, and even that that um, the clip I showed earlier of some of our um, participants who have gone through the program. Um, I would encourage everyone to go to um, either the LRC website or Capital Airs website and watch that whole thing. It really does. These are regular men and women um, who are just trying to do better. They want better. They want more. Yes. And they could be your neighbor right next to you, and you and you wouldn't know it that that's a, that's, we're here to help. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, are there any, I mean, we know housing is tough, but are there any other gaps in services that you're actively looking to fill? Um, we always, we, we, I know when we did our pitch to the commissioners, you know, we, we did a, it was a Jenga tower. A Jenga. <laughs> we had our sections of the Jenga tower. It's standing pretty strong. Our system's pretty strong, but we had some holes in there. Can you talk about some of the, some of the gaps maybe that, that we're trying to fill and what you're thinking about and, and how we can do that?
2: I want to share specifically on resources. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Cell phones have been an issue in the past, people getting out, trying to, getting people connected, you know, that cell phone's going to help you make the appointments, you know, get that get that uh, call from the employer or whatever it is. So, you know, it's even the access for, you know, some folk have to do their um Referrals using that smartphone, so that's one resource um, that's needed. But most recently, the newest asset um, we we've had was for bicycles, uh, way around. And this is to me thinking outside of the box. You know, you think about the buses, and you think about a car. You and I probably wrote, you know, drove to work today. But when you think about an individual who's starting from scratch, um, you know, an automobile. Um, may not be realistic right now. Mm-hmm. And then of course the buses are great, but think about catching the bus in the cold days and the mm-hmm. in the winter days. You do what you have to do. but um but to give a person a sense of independence, sometimes that bike is something that we've been recently asked for. so there's there's a resource that uh, we're looking to um, secure now.
0: That's yeah. awesome. That's really good. And you that's a capital idea. Yes.
1: yes, it is. It is. I would I would also say that really looking, it didn't take us long to figure out that there was a need to connect with the behavioral health system. Mm-hmm. You know, to help someone get a job and get housing is key. Mm-hmm. But if we don't give them the tools to be their healthiest self, mm-hmm. to address some of the traumas that they've experienced, to address diagnoses that they've had and just have um, oftentimes self-medicated and gotten into drug use, um, I think it's important that we help our participants look at their total wellness, mm-hmm. not just at achieving certain milestones but that they work on the foundation. We all know that we've seen beautiful homes, but if they're built on top of weak foundations or foundations that look very strong, but have some breaks and cracks in them, it doesn't take long before the beauty of the home begins to suffer. Mm -hmm. And so we've realized that connecting Connecting our participants with behavioral health support is really key. And that's one of those other pieces that the county commissioners have allowed us to add. We're looking to add a behavioral health case manager who will work specifically with individuals who've been either diagnosed while incarcerated or individuals who realize while doing the work, hey, I got some other stuff going on that I need some help with. Wow. That person can give that continuity of care and start working with the transition team so that we make sure they can navigate that system and know mm. who they're supposed to see for appointments. You know, when they leave incarceration, they have a very little bit of medication. So it's going to be important mm-hmm. that they get connected to the appointments that they have set up and that they have some appointments set up within that early transition period so that there are no lapses in medication, if that's what's necessary or that there's no lapse in support.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, so much has to be done to meet the needs. So you talked about the behavioral health specialist is coming in. I know you put the word out to hire a couple more case managers, and then there was another position. Y'all saw the need for um, the is it the resource specialist,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, and talk a little bit about that need and what that person's kind of going to be doing.
3: Melinda, 81? you want to take that one? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, so so you're exactly right. You know, as we mentioned, we had. Two staff members, um, we're looking to hire the behavioral health case manager, and then a community-based case manager who'll work with people exiting the detention center and community referrals. But uh, the other position that we're so excited about is this community resource specialist. And we talked about the importance of our community resources. You know, even with additional staff, we, we can't do it all. We're not experts at it all. We really wanna make sure we have this network and a a comprehensive network of health providers, substance use disorder providers, um, therapy providers, (laughs) um, uh, uh, housing, all of that. And so this individual that that we're currently looking for is really gonna be that glue they're going to help build out that network. We've already got a strong network, but it's something that can always be improved upon. But the other piece of it that I think we're really excited about is that they're going to help our individ- our individuals, our clients navigate it. Because that's the hardest thing. As Lenarda said, Wake County is huge. Mm-hmm. We are so big. It's hard. I-, I can't even keep up with how many schools we have. <laughs> so we have all these great partners they are all over the county. You know, if you're in Wake Forest, it's a very different thing than being in Cary. And so really having the person understand it, but then kind of provide that assistance. So again, the, our clients aren't just ping-ponging around looking for the right support. They've got someone to sit beside them and say, okay, you live in Wake Forest. You need a healthcare provider. This is what you gotta do and yeah. helping that. And then the other piece of it, we mentioned the importance of housing. We're really gonna have them focus a lot on housing. Mm-hmm. I mean, to some degree, There's just not a lot there, (laughs) Um, but we're excited. We're hopefully hoping that we're going to be working with other county partners to expand housing, but also navigating the housing that is there and trying to see if we can build inventory for returning citizens.
1: Yeah, you know, that other piece to that position, Brenda, that we're excited about is that they're going to help us build out our mentoring program. Mm. Is that you know you've heard us mention navigation system navigation yes. Yes. everything we've talked about and the mentoring piece we think is another one of those gaps that we've had and that this person is going to help us develop a mentoring piece you know our vision is to see something that might be a hybrid model that has some volunteers and have peer support Mm -hmm. I think it's important that people understand the journey and the challenges, Um, but then there's also great benefit to community volunteers who will help our participants understand the things they're trying to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. And so that hybrid model would give us a little bit of both, you know, um, but that is an exciting piece. I see mentoring, you know, this person will help us develop that platform. But I don't know about the rest of you all, but I'm certain mentoring can morph into its own entity, you know, so that it's so much of a beast. It's there's such a great need for that, that, you know, at some point there may just be a mentoring position. Who knows? I mean, there there's so much to be done and all of it requires helping people to break down the barriers within systems. We can't erase systems. Right. But we can help people figure out how to navigate them.
0: Awesome. Yes, we can. That's great. Um, you guys are doing just amazing work. And um, the last thing I want to talk about and ask about is the nitty gritty. So let's talk about outcomes. All so right. how are we doing with outcomes? Um, what can we quantify Um that that we know we've we've done this part well. Um, talk about some of the outcomes for reentry. Anyone? <laughs> well, oh, no.
2: Go ahead, Lenarda. I'll, I'll start because I know you're going to go into the numbers, Melinda. <laughs> <laughs> But I wanna say in this short time, we I believe we've accomplished a lot. In October, 2021, we were awarded um, Interfaith Prison Ministries for Women or IPMW's Angel of Hope Award for how we have restructured the LRC and engage uh, more of the community to move the work forward, um, we're proud of that accolade. But most importantly, I think um, one of our most successful outcomes is that we've given people, parents, um, siblings, and and aunts and uncles hope. I, that's to me um, one of the most uh, successful outcomes that we've had. So now I know Melinda and, and uh, <laughs> Natalie are going to give me some real some real death and some numbers there.
1: Well, I won't step on Melinda's toes and give any numbers, but I will say that I, I'm I'm proud of the fact that we have begun to infiltrate those systems that exist within our community, so that we have a voice at the table. Mm, yeah. So that we have an advocate who's always making sure that the needs of returning citizens and the justice-involved community are valid needs that require and deserve attention. And I think that is a huge accomplishment that we're just forcing systems to consider the entire population, which includes our
3: participants. Yes. Melinda? Well, I think people are expecting me to have like some (laughs) charts and tables. I'm I'm not there. You know where we do, where's (laughs) the the data? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I do want to share I mean with our reentry council primarily what we've done since the beginning is 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 you know provide intake realize what what people need and and give them connect them to the resource so it's not this soup to nuts a program. It's more, you know, getting them to the right resource. But I will share that we've averaged about 100 clients per year. We do believe in our expansion. We'll probably double that, so we'll probably start seeing around 200 clients a year once we're fully staffed, which is amazing. And then we can start doing more of those things. And we have an employment engagement specialist mm-hmm. connecting people directly to employment. You know, we certainly have been. You know, helps connecting people to the career center and to Roads to Reentry. Um, but but more, we can do it more in-house. Um, but I do want to share because Roads to Reentry is part of our program, and Natalie can jump in here if, if that is that we we are currently at about 161 clients that we've served mm-hmm. on that, and we've placed I believe about over 120 into employment. Um, And those are good jobs. Those are jobs where you're making at least $16 an hour. We've had people have multiple um, raises just in the short time they've been in the program. We've had people who've started in trucking and then have bought their own truck. So we have some really extraordinary stories. I don't know if you have any particular ones you want to share, Natalie.
1: I think, I think of many, but you know, the other piece I would say is that over 98% of our participants in the roads to reentry program have also received an industry recognized credential that's powerful mm-hmm. stuff to take into an employer mm-hmm. you know that it that that raises the bar a little bit to have a second look from people and so we're proud of that and Melinda, Melinda mentioned success stories. We have many, um, but we've we've had um, two ladies who thought that their peer support specialist made a huge difference in their lives, and that they really wanted to become peer support specialists. They took the training, received the certification, and they now have a small business. Oh, They have a wow. small business right up the street from us on Tillery, you know, right up the street off Capitol. So, you know, that's amazing. We've had mm-hmm. fathers who now have housing and can be primary caregivers to their children again. That hadn't happened for years. Um, and I will say this is one example about how the work we do today matters tomorrow. We have had a few gentlemen who got their CDLs, Mm -hmm. purchased trucks. Mm -hmm. And there's one in particular who is now providing CDL training for our program participants. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. So the work we do matters. It is life changing. And not only are we (laughs) impacting the quality of life in Wake County, but we have the potential to, to improve things well beyond North Carolina. These men and women, particularly with um, their CDLs, they are outside of the state now. Mm-hmm. They've worked with mm-hmm. probation, has worked with us in partnership, and some of these men and women are over-the-road truckers. They are meeting a huge need across the country for moving supplies to where, where it needs to get in a timely fashion. So we are impacting not only their lives, but the community's everyday life, you know, those yeah. bare shelves in the stores. Our truckers are getting equipment and supplies to those shelves, so you can find toilet paper, paper towels, <laughs> bread. You know, so I like to think about, wow, you know, this grocery store is stocked because potentially someone we helped.
0: Yes, we had, um, I, this was, I don't know if he went through reentry, um, reentry services or not, but we had something funny happen um, last year. Um, the phones at the Career Center started ringing off the hook and um, the staff over there called and they were like, "Some somebody posted something on their Facebook page about getting a CDL um, yes. at NC Works and how awesome it is. And his following was huge. And so I was like, okay. And so I went to his page. I talked to him and, you know, people were calling Wake County from all over the state (laughs) just because of his post. And when I contacted him and I talked to him, he was so excited about starting his own business. And he's not an over the road driver. He got a flatbed and he hauls like pipes and I don't know what else making really good money all because he got a CDL and he was just excited to share it. And when I talked to him, he's like, I'm all, cause he came out of some stuff now. And yeah. he said, I'm all about helping the community, helping my friends and helping people achieve. So um, yeah, it, I, I I love that um, people are willing to share and they are doing well. So yes. and re-entry Services is a big part yeah. to do that. So I'm glad to hear those successes. That's all we have. I want to thank Capital Area's re-entry team again, Melinda, Natalie, and Lenarda um, for being my first guests on Capital Ideas. Thanks for coming. Thank Thanks you. for
1: having us. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for watching. To learn more about Capital Area Workforce Development, visit CapitalAreaNCWorks.com And be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.